welcome to Up Close and Virtual with me, Katie Tew. In each episode, I'll be joined by a guest where we'll be chatting about our experience of starting and running a business, the lessons that we've learned along the way. We'll be sharing our top tips and, of course, best practice. Expect to be entertained, enlightened and empowered. Happy listening. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of my podcast. I'm really excited today because I've got the wonderful Maggie Watts with me. Maggie, I've known for a couple of years now and is an absolute delight. And I am even more delighted to be able to call her a friend. Maggie and I have got to know each other over the last couple of years because Maggie very kindly trusted in me to coach and mentor her through setting up her business. Maggie is one of life's real treasures. She's not only a brilliant virtual assistant, but she's also a campaigner and hugely involved in the pancreatic cancer awareness building. I'm going to hand you over now to Maggie just so that she can introduce herself to you and we will get into conversation very shortly. Maggie, it's lovely to have you on board. Tell everybody a little bit about you and um, your background and your journey so far in your VA world. Hi Katie, thank you so much for inviting me to join you um, on your podcast. This is so exciting. I'm really thrilled for you. Um, as you say, I am a VA um, and that's largely down to you, Katie, because um, <laughs> prior to prior to um, that, I was in the corporate um, world for 30 plus years as an executive assistant. So I had all of that background, but in corporate. And when I, sadly, the company that I worked for went into administration and had to rethink what I was going to do. As you know, I stumbled across the world of virtual assistants but was struggling to believe that I could make that happen for me so you were instrumental in getting me to believe that I could so thank you two and a bit years down the line and I've got a business and that's working uh, really well so yeah huge thanks to you Katie for steering me in the right direction you so I'm great for somebody who's had 38 years as an experienced VA has got more than enough qualification to set up their own VA business. I know, and you told me that at the time, but you know, when I look back to those days, um, fear always comes into it when you're doing something new. Well, yeah, I assume it does for everybody. It does for me. And so whilst I knew that I could do it in the corporate environment, doing sort of breaking away and doing it yourself without any support is a different um, game altogether and I also struggled to believe that there were clients out there that would want to work on that basis you know that yeah. that model would work um, but you quickly you know I think that was what drew me to you Katie because you'd done it you'd walk the walk and you'd done it for <laughs> lots of years and I could see the proof in you that that could happen and that you could make that work so yeah absolutely and had you really not had much experience about the virtual assistant industry at all until you'd hit that point of being made redundant Maggie no I hadn't you know I was in a bubble I was in a job that I absolutely loved Mm. I'd worked for that company 
for 30 odd years, I, I, which sounds really still when you say it like that, but you know, it was an ever changing role. It was an ever changing environment. I think I had five people that I'd worked for in that time, all really different people, Mm. all great people, but all really different. And responsibilities grew and I just loved that job. So yeah. I think I would have stayed there to retirement. You know, when, to, yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think that that would have been your forever job if things hadn't so dramatically changed? I do. I yeah. do. I loved it. And it was a really fabulous company. And everybody that worked there felt the same. Yeah. When the company went under, everybody was devastated. It was just, it's very difficult to describe, but it was a really unique company. People stayed there a long time. It tried its employees well, and it got a good response from its employees. It was, yeah. you know, a, it, well, I feel it was a unique company. And I was I going to say, I, I'd say that it sounds really unusual, certainly in this day and age. You know, most people, I guess the average is somewhere between three and five years. I think we're much more transient so to have a track record working with an organisation for 30 years and to genuinely be sad about leaving it is is exceptional. Yeah, I, I realised every day how, how lucky I was to go to a job that I still really enjoyed going to. You know, I knew people that used to wake up and dread the day because they were going to a job they hated and I could never get my head around that. Why would you keep going to a job yeah. you hate, you know? when you don't have to, because there are other jobs out there. But I I felt lucky that I I was never in that situation. So to answer your question, it was a shock when the company Mm. went into administration. And then it was like, crikey, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? You know, that's a big chunk of my life. Did you do much research, Maggie, at that point? or, Or had you sort of already come across the virtual assistant industry and thought well that's a niche I'd like to scratch or did you kind of consider all sorts of different things yeah I'd started to research because whilst I loved that job and that company Mm. and I wasn't sure that I wanted to go and do that again in another organization um on the whole it was a it it was a great company Uh, but I'd noticed towards the end for some people definitely not the majority of people but quality is really important to me and and quality didn't seem to be quite as important to some people that had come into the organization and I really struggled with that so I was thinking well if that's how it is out there you know and again it was very naive because it was based on a very small percentage but that's where my thinking was at at the time yeah and um as you mentioned in the intro I am a pancreatic cancer campaigner and have been a campaigner for 10 plus years because my husband died of pancreatic cancer and his mum had died of pancreatic cancer 40 years before him and there had been no change whatsoever in survival rates in all of that time and it's really difficult to survive pancreatic cancer it gets so little funding so in my spare time I've campaigned for awareness and we've had you know some some good success over that campaigning so when my ideal job was taken from me I started to think I wonder if I'd maybe like to go more into the charity sector more around the you know the campaigning yeah and so I'd started to look at that and what jobs were available in that sector yeah yeah that made perfect sense and I guess one of the things about moving into a new environment were you conscious that you wanted to allocate time in your next role to being able to continue that campaigning Maggie um 
yeah, a, a kind of, yes, I suppose so. Although my role that I came out of was incredibly busy. And so I did spend all of my spare time in the campaigning. But I think that when I look back again, I think that was a response to grief in the early days. So it kept yeah. me very, very busy. Um, it kept me from having to sort of think too much about what had happened in my life. Mm. And it, I, I was angry because, you know, nothing had changed and the, the medics could offer him no better a chance of survival than he could, they could his mum 40 years earlier. So I was driven by the desire to make something happen, make yeah. some change. And, and that just became an extension to my life. Yeah. And so I haven't really thought I have I don't think I really thought too much about I need to be able to do that because I knew I was always going to do that. You know, if it meant that I'd have to have less hours sleep at night or whatever, I was always going to you do were that. Still campaigning yeah. and I was still are campaigning. Campaign. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess I, I guess it's sort of priorities, isn't it? And I think when you've had the shock um of being made redundant, um, I mean I, I have to empathize because I I have been made redundant and I mean it was some time ago, but I still remember that fear in the pit of my stomach about what I was going to do next um so you know the fact that that you basically put some time into researching what you were going to do next I guess is admirable because I would have jumped out of the frying pan straight into the fire you know that in that situation so how did you re how did you sort of come across the the VA industry so I was doing the research and I was contemplating looking at jobs in the charity sector. And I don't know what I saw around a virtual assistant, but I saw something. Mm. And then I thought, well, because they, they talk a lot about niching down, don't they, in the VA yes. world? Yes. And I thought, well, maybe I could combine both. Maybe I could set up a business being a VA and I could maybe offer my services to the charity sector because I've gained quite a bit of experience over the 10 years in, in terms of the campaigning and that work. And so that was what started me looking at the VA. I thought, well, that would be perfect if I could run a business and I could do that, you know, combine that. And then I found you, Katie, because the fear kept coming back. I kept looking at it and I kept thinking that would be great. That sounds great. In theory, that sounds great, but I struggled to believe that you could be a virtual assistant. Yeah. And that that model actually worked and that people would work with you on that basis. Yeah. Because don't forget, I've been kind of institutionalized with yeah. my 30 years in a corporate. I've not known any different. We did. We had to break the, the, <laughs> the, the commercial out of you, didn't we? Yes, um, you did. You we, did. You. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I, I do remember you being very commercial and very corporate. And, and that is actually no bad thing whatsoever. And in fact, I think it's actually a hugely attractive trait in a virtual assistant um but it was we we talked extensively about sort of using that to your benefit I do remember that vividly and and just giving you the confidence that you had the knowledge and the expertise that you needed which you absolutely do I mean I know that you demonstrate them day in day out you talk about fear Maggie was was it just a self fear I fear that you personally couldn't do it or was there another fear that perhaps was lurking in the background yeah that's a really interesting question I'm I'm trying to think back to that day and, and what that those days those early days and what the fear was all about yeah. um well 
I, I think one of the things was certainly once I started to research it, there was there was apps for everything. There was systems and processes for everything. And it seemed like you had to know all of this stuff. And I didn't know all of this stuff. And I was thinking, how am I going to quickly learn all of this stuff? Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Like Asana, Trello, Monday.com, Airtable. It was all yeah. new because we yeah. hadn't used it. And I was in those days thinking, I have to somehow figure out how all this stuff works and become an expert in this, which is wrong. You don't. I've realized now I'll learn what I need to learn for my clients. And yeah. that's worked really successfully yeah. instead of trying to. And, and the more you use, the more you realize they're actually intuitive and you you pick them up reasonably quickly and google very quickly becomes your best friend yes <laughs> i think that's right i think doc, dr google has helped all of us be virtual assistants out there out of many yeah. roles over the years but i think you, you you you're right i think you've you've said something really interesting there i think one of the things that people do find difficult to get over is there seems to be a huge onerous on the sort of tech side of being a virtual assistant. Yes. Um, But I think if you break it down, most clients are really looking for people who are willing, intelligent, good communicators who actually just want to roll up their sleeves and get the job done. The fact that they do or don't necessarily have that specific app experience or that specific piece of technology experience isn't really the key thing because most of us are willing to learn and most of us are capable of learning. And I think that's probably a, a, a key point. I mean, have you had to use new systems and, and applications in with your clients? Yes, I've learned yeah. loads. But yeah. that was, again, like a recognition of the fear is always bigger than the reality. Yeah. Because once you push through, it's fine. Of course, you'll be able to learn it. Why would you not? There's thousands of well, however many people using all of these systems. Why will you be the one that doesn't know how to do it? But your yeah. fear sometimes grips you, doesn't it? And yeah. Again, coming out of corporate and hadn't used all of those. And yeah, I've had to learn uh, learn quite a few um, yeah. new things, but I've really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, really enjoyed it. There's a real um, sort of self-confidence boost that comes with learning all of those new things, too. It's that wonderful thing of recognising in yourself how much you can do rather than how much you can't do. Um, and I think we all deserve a pat on the back for the new systems and processes that we learn, you know, actually quite efficiently and effectively. So I, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Don't don't be afraid if anybody's listening out there. You know, don't don't be afraid of taking on new systems because they generally aren't as complicated or challenging as as you actually think they might be. How how did you actually find the experience of setting your business up, Maggie? How did you find that process? And just maybe tell the listeners, I can't remember if you've set that up as a limited company or as a sole trader. Yeah, I, I actually found that aspect of it really quite easy. So yeah. I am a limited company. And yeah. because my role was very much around um, governance and, you know, statutory reporting and all of that type of thing. I was very familiar with companies house, what needs to be filed, you know, the requirements of a limited company, et cetera. Um, So that part of it was easy for me. Um, But I appreciate if you've never been exposed to that, that could also seem a little bit 
yeah. daunting. Yeah. But, no. but I don't think there's anything to be fearful there over. It's quite a simple process once you know, you know, as long as you don't miss your filing deadlines and you get your accounts drawn up, but, you know, in a timely manner, et cetera. Once you know that, then then I don't think there's anything um, complicated about that. I love that about that, about the fact that you went straight in as being a limited company. Quite a lot of people don't have the confidence to do that. I think they feel that they'd rather just, you know, set up as a sole trader, which is a little less formal um, and just run their businesses on that basis from the outset. But I think that shows a real level of commitment to what you're doing when you jump straight in and go down that limited company route. I I think that that shows a huge amount of commitment to to, to your business, Maggie. Yeah, and I guess it's, you know, I guess it's got to be whatever works for each individual. But and I can see that there would be a natural tendency to perhaps want to steer away from a limited company. It can seem a little bit daunting if you don't if you've not been around that that type of yeah. work and understand how it yeah. works. But, but yeah, for me, once I'd committed to it, I was definitely going to go all go in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I think what you said about it is a process and there are specific dates in the year that you need to do specific activities. And I think you're right. I think once you, once you know what those are and you've got, you know, some some somebody who can help you potentially with the filing of things if you've never done them before. Um, it's uh, it's actually a very easy process to to learn that whole kind of filing of your um, your annual returns, etc. It's not really that complicated. It's no, just a process that you need to follow. So far, what have you found the most rewarding when it comes to being your own? You know, you're a business owner, you're master of your own destiny, you're running your own business. What what have you found to be the most rewarding aspects of that, Maggie? Um. Well, I've been really lucky and I've got fabulous clients um, and that's great. So I'm working with some brilliant people and being around different minds. It's inspiring. You know, you you spark off different people, you get different ideas. Um, I think freedom, although my days are very busy, you know, I've got great clients who keep me very busy. So it's not my business is definitely not, uh, oh, I can get out of bed at 10 and I can do a couple of hours and then I can go off. You know, I, I haven't structured myself that way. I'm very, very busy from very early in the morning till the evening. Yeah. Um, but, but I like that because that's how I am as a person. Um, but I still feel a sense of freedom, even though I'm busy, because I feel like it's my business to make my choices. Yeah. Um, I've not had any uncomfortable situations with clients thank goodness um but you have the knowledge that if you do then then that's your choice whether to stay or 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 go yeah and I have unfortunately seen some VAs who have been in that situation and Mm. and have struggled to sort of break away but yeah and I think that can be a problem of the industry not one that I've experienced myself as I say I've got fantastic clients but I think just that sense of like, this is it. So I can make my business as good or as bad as I want to do, you know, and I, I'm really driven by quality. Yeah. And that's really important to me. So delivering a good service and a quality service is really important to me. So if I get feedback from my clients that they feel that I've delivered on that aspect, that's, that's huge to me. 
That's really lovely. And I think that that reward of getting that sort of thank you so much, we couldn't have done it without you or my goodness, what an amazing job you've done for that. Thank you. Just makes all the difference when we get that from a client. Yeah. And it sounds a bit a bit like an ego thing that but it's not really that it's just about for me I feel like it's really important to have good standards and do good quality work and I feel like we're currently in an an environment where that's sometimes not always the case and yeah I'm just contributing my little bit to try and keep that yes (laughs) because that's important to me yeah and I think we our business is our reputation um exactly. at the end of the day you know whatever we produce is a reflection of who we are and what our business represents so I'm with you I think the quality is so important and you know the industry is full of you know very very different individuals with you know very different skill sets and very different focuses and you know I think to be able to deliver a high quality service um you know really certainly from my point of view and I think everybody that I coach and mentor you know my my mantra is your business is your reputation so you know make sure that you protect that and produce work that's reflective of it um Maggie tell me a little bit about your clients did did you decide to to niche in any way and have a sort of specialist area or have you kept it fairly broad and um you know very different no I didn't (laughs) although when I first thought about setting up and I thought I could then perhaps you know engage with the charity charitable sector Mm. that is not how it's panned out and again so what happened with me is that I was procrastinating I'd got my limited company I'd got my website which is still not up and running two years later because I've been very fortunate that I've got clients through words of word of mouth but I know I need to get that sorted on my socials um but But actually I'm going to stop you there because I think that's a really interesting point one of the things that that I am really keen to um, underline with everybody is you don't need a website <laughs> to run a No, business. you don't. You don't. <laughs> so, I've, got, I've got all my social pages and I've got my website, my domain name, yeah. which has just got a holding page on it. But I've had yeah. that for two years. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's not it's not ready to go yet. So you don't. You don't. I think you find that your contacts that you already have. Yeah. Um, are a good place to start yeah so I had got this plan I'd done my training with you I was more confident about setting up but I still kept thinking oh do you know what I'll put it out there next week I'll just have another week yeah <laughs> planning I just have a, you know and I was procrastinating I know what I was doing I was putting off biting the bullet and going for it um and I guess I was a little bit lucky because I had my redundancy so I didn't have to sort of you know I wasn't forced to go there and then and I and I kept procrastinating and I guess that was a little bit of fear still there just that residue of fear that you'd you'd got most of it away Katie but there was still (laughs) that little bit there that was like oh can I do this I think that was always going to be there until you were actually doing it if you see what I mean I think you know I completely get that now but I don't think you get it when you're in the situation that I was in because I also know two people that are currently setting up and I can see in them exactly where I was at that point and I try to 
have that conversation with them to say it will be fine you've just got to jump in it will be fine yeah. but I don't think you believe it until you've done it yes. and it's that's what fear's about isn't it Absolutely. you know feel the fear and do it anyway you've just Absolutely. got to push through it yeah. um so so yes I got I got really lucky I guess because somebody um from my past um yeah. who I'd worked with previously had found out that this is what I was I was setting up yeah. and they needed some support so they got in touch with me and um so they were my first client yeah yeah and And I think never underestimate the power of those that connect those networks that you already have um you know those referral networks people that you know you may have worked with historically um friends family you you will be amazed how powerful that that network is yeah definitely and that was that was a really successful um working relationship I really enjoyed working with them um it, it unfortunately came to an end because that company went into administration but you know it, it was it was a brilliant start and it yeah. gave me the confidence especially working with somebody that you knew yeah you know it didn't yeah. feel quite as daunting because I knew him yeah and, um he was great and I'll be forever grateful to him for giving me that first yeah. opportunity as a client was that in an industry sector that you that you'd historically worked in as well Maggie was was, was that a business sector kind of so it was in the construction industry okay. yeah and I had exposure to the construction industry because the company that I worked for although I worked for the parent company the main operating subsidiary company was a construction company so whilst I didn't work in the midst of that company, I worked in the same building as the people that did. I liaised yeah. a lot with the people yeah. that worked in there. So I have had got experience of it. So it yeah. wasn't completely new to me, but a lot of it was new. I still yeah. had to learn, you know, certain things that I hadn't had exposure to previously. Um, have, you managed, have you found yourself working largely within the construction industry with, with your other clients or have they been very different? No, I've got my, my, so my three clients are all completely different, mm-hmm. um, but they've all come through connections. Mm. They all yeah. come through recommendations from people that I've known. So it's interesting how that has panned out. Yeah. Um, and I've just, yeah, I've just been really lucky to have incredible people, sort of like the, this guy that sort of gave me the first opportunity and then the connections that have come from that. Mm. Uh, and then I found fabulous clients off the back of it yeah. so my plan to look at the charity sector completely went away because none of my clients are fall into that category yeah I mean, I'd say it's probably what gone away for now but I think if the opportunity arises um you will absolutely snap it up and you've got if you've got the capacity to do it won't you oh for sure yeah sure I would yeah yeah um definitely and are you are you running sort of on a full-time basis are you kind of at capacity at the moment I am currently at capacity yes yeah well good on you hang on are you two years you are yeah um well two years in September it'll be September when I started 2020 Maggie that's amazing that's fantastic that really is fun and what what's a kind of typical day look like for you is there such a thing um no not really (laughs) I mean I I think one of the things that I found when I first started out was sometimes it was difficult to get people to understand that the model works best when you work 
from home and you don't go into an office for me because how I operate is I don't say to my clients oh I work for you on one day and I work for you on another day they buy the hours they want from me yeah and I'm available Monday to Friday I say nine to five but it's earlier and later generally but that's my working hours that I set out in my contract and and your choice yes exactly yes Yes. um and then I can be responsive within that time Mm -hmm to my clients because I'm here and I can see what's coming in on emails. And obviously I prioritize things and, you know, I am very, very meticulous with my workload and looking at what I need to do and making sure I don't let any of my clients down, you know, I meet their expectations. Um, So it's very busy and you've got to be very organized, but on an odd occasion, I've been asked to go into an office and I don't think in the, way that I work that that works mm-hmm. because then I wouldn't have another client's emails open in another office environment exactly so so therefore I wouldn't be able to be as reactive to other clients because I just wouldn't have them open in another yeah. office I just wouldn't do that no I um, think very right. very you know and I think that the sort of true the true essence of a virtual assistant is that you know we are doing everything from a different environment to our client's office or our client's environment. Um, You know, I do go to some clients' offices. Generally, they tend to be the clients who are the sort of personal assistant element of what I offer. So they're the sort of the home-based clients. So they're the sort of, you know, ones where actually I can't go and read the meter for the um, from my home. But that's actually my choice as well and I quite like the fact that I've got a couple of mornings a week when I'm not sat in my office and I've got a different environment around me but all of my clients know that I'm not available to them on Monday morning Tuesday morning and Thursday morning and that's it so that's the key yes that is the key it's it's structuring it again coming back to freedom it's structuring it how you want I'm not saying the way that I work is the right way to work and I do know lots of people that go into offices but it's structuring it the way you want and it's making sure that your clients understand how you operate, because if it's not right for them, then you're not the right VA for them. And they need to find a VA that works in the way that they want to work. And um, I think I think my clients see the benefit of that, because if you say, I don't know, say had a, had a VA for 10 hours or you had an employee for 10 hours, they would only be in the office for a day and a half. And then you probably wouldn't see them again until the following week, whereas with a VA, those 10 hours can be available to you in the way that I work anywhere over that Monday to Friday period yeah so I think once you understand the benefit of that I think you know that, that, I think that there's works. a huge amount more yeah I think you're right I think it's the value in that and there's the continuity in it as well as you say yes. you've got somebody who's coming into the office for 10 and a half hours a week you're quite right they tend to be you know a couple you know day and a half that's it and you've got to wait until the rest of the following week before you can pick up from where you left off yes um I think you're absolutely right it's that ability to sort of spread those hours over the week that just means that the continuity is there um and yeah. then, you know things actually can get prioritized in a really timely and effectual manner um yeah absolutely everybody's happy then you you know that you've got the responsibility to do what you need to get done and allocate the time to do it and your client knows and trusts that that's what you're going to deliver 
exactly but you know everybody's way of working is different and you know that's I guess that's one of the benefits of being a virtual assistant yeah. you can choose to work however you want to can't you really yeah I couldn't choose agree the model that works yeah it, it does and I think it's all about getting that relationship right right from the very outset yes definitely um, you know and, and being very honest with your client about the way that you work and what, the way that you propose that you will work for them and agreeing whether or not that's right or wrong and if there is some you know room for maneuver and the client wants a little bit more flexibility then you know if it works you can agree to do it but I think unless you have that conversation right from day dot um you know you'll you'll be stumbling and you'll be trying to catch up and you'll have that awful anxiety feeling you know 24 7 because you haven't set the parameters clearly yeah and I think that's really important and I, and I guess maybe not something that you understand fully when you're starting out I think that comes with experience doesn't it it does communication is so important yeah experience and confidence I think that's 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 the thing isn't it yeah Yeah. and in terms of services Maggie do you do you offer a sort of full selection of services or do you offer very specific ones what what do you actually do for your clients yeah again I didn't niche down on my services I can see the benefit in doing that actually now with hindsight I there's a lot of talk about that when you're setting up and I really couldn't get that at the outset either because I thought well I can do pretty much everything I don't mean I can do everything but you know across the board (laughs) no no no, no. everybody listening she can do everything (laughs) no I definitely can't do everything but you know what I mean I had a wide experience that I'd got a background in um, pension administration and employee benefits I did corporate governance so um you know HR all of that sort of stuff so I was thinking well why would I would I would I niche down but I can see the benefit in niching down and becoming really really good in one area and then becoming known as the person yeah the go-to person for that area but I didn't get that then so now my services I uh offer a very very varied and so how I operate is I just speak to the client and I get a feel for what type of work they're looking for somebody to do for them and I'm totally honest if I've got no experience in that field I will be honest and say that I haven't but if it's something that appeals to me and that I'd like to try then you know I'll say I'm willing to train or learn or um I love that about you I love the fact that you've got absolutely no qualms about learning something new I think that's really impressive oh thank you but I think that's what keeps us growing and alive and yeah. you know we don't want to stay stuck in no what we know do we we want no, to keep... I agree I agree are there, th- are there certain things that you you do that you really enjoy Maggie um from a sort of services point of view because I really no, no yeah no I enjoy I do enjoy every day yeah so I feel again I'm in a fortunate situation I enjoy the work that I'm doing and I enjoy every day but I can't say that I've got one thing that's that jumps out at me that says yeah that's that's the one thing I'd like to niche but again going back to the campaigning when I was doing the campaigning because we had a a government e-petition that we had to get to 100,000 signatures so when I started that like I just thought well I've just got to find 100,000 people yeah and um, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. So I think work along those lines where you've kind of like 
it's a challenge, isn't it? How yeah. the hell are we going to find 100,000 people? Yeah, there's a willing target. Yes, exactly. How on earth am I going to get there? But that's that true grit and determination that you are going to get there and you make it happen. Yeah, exactly that. And I really did enjoy that. And I, you know, really enjoyed the work that we did on that. So, And there's a huge amount of satisfaction, isn't there, that comes comes with achieving those sort of targets. Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, it did look at one point like we weren't going to do it, but I kind of just had something in me. I, I don't mean that Kev talked to me or anything. I don't hear his voice from <laughs> the other side. <laughs> but there was something in me telling me to keep going that I can only liken to maybe he was there saying, keep going, it's going to happen, you know. And and I just really, really believed it, it was going to happen and yeah. it did happen and it happened really. You know, it was all a little bit crazy at the end, but it happened and we got our debate. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed that work. So I guess if I was in a situation where I was looking for more clients, I think I might be tempted to try and look for work in that area. Yeah, I think you definitely should. Um, for any charities out there I mean for Maggie to be able to achieve literally to achieve 100,000 sign-ups for her petition um, pretty much single-handedly Maggie well no we so what happened was I started it and I and and I started it off on my own but I, I got to meet people that had also lost loved ones to pancreatic cancer that shared the despair and the anger and um it was really interesting how it happened because um that they obviously wanted to help and I was working full-time and doing this as well and not getting much sleep and they were all coming up with ideas and suggestions and I just didn't have enough hours in the day to do everything so I created a Facebook group called the Think Tank and we just all I put everybody in there and we just shared ideas and it was just an amazing group of people that really battled together yeah it really was a strong community and then we got lucky because Coronation Street ran a pancreatic cancer storyline and I wrote to the producers and then Julie Hesmanhal she played um, Hayley Cropper had been affected, got involved, and she worked with us, and lots of things happened. Oh man, um, over the year, yeah, it was amazing. Really, it was an amazing. It's such experience. an achievement. It really is such an achievement. We're gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do a podcast episode on campaigning and charities, um, and get you yeah, back to talk about it in more detail. Because I mean, I I know the story and. I was hugely impressed by what you achieved. So I think we need to do something completely separate on it. And I promise you that we will do. Just while we're coming to the end of the podcast, the last sort of question I'd like to ask you is what one piece of advice would you give any virtual assistant starting up their own business? Um, find Katie Chu and <laughs> on her mentor and training is what is the advice that I would give Katie. Because I and I truly, truly mean that because you have just such a fabulous way about you. And I came to you very apprehensive and very unsure that I could do it. And you very gently over that period of time that we worked together gave me the confidence to believe that I could go out and create a business. Um, and I think if I didn't have you and the call every week, I, I'm not sure that I would have pushed through. Oh, man, um, you are very, very, very sweet. I mean, it. I mean it, Katie, you were brilliant with me and, you know, you gave me the confidence and you've obviously got a vast amount of knowledge and the way you structure your mentoring 
it, it just really all worked for me. So thank you, Katie. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. very sweet. That's really kind. And and I was not expecting that as a reply. So thank you very much. And I think just to sum up, Maggie, where, where will you see or where do you see your business in five years time? The honest answer to that is I haven't a clue. No. Um, I haven't thought that far ahead. No. I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. whilst there are clients out there that's, that want to work with me, I envisage that that's what I will continue to do. I really enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy building relationships. So as long as all of that stays the way, you know, the way it is now, then I will be, con- MW Virtual Services will, uh, Virtual Solutions even, yeah. will, um, will be continuing. And I haven't really mapped out what I think is going to happen in five years Um, and I think having been through what we've all been through over the last two years there's nothing wrong with that at all I think we all could do with a bit of let's just take every day as it comes and enjoy it while we're in the moment to be honest absolutely and also having gone through everything with Kev and seeing like life can change in a heartbeat you know we thought everything was okay and then then he got ill and he was only ill for a short while and then he was dying and then life changed so I very much now of of the mindset that you know every day is to be embraced and I don't, I don't think too far ahead I just yeah. try and stay in the moment Maggie as ever thank you so much for your time it's always a delight to talk to you and today has been no exception I will make sure that all of your contact details are in the show notes um, as well as all of the pancreatic cancer stuff too because I think that's really important to share um, and uh, if anybody's interested please do reach out and get in touch with Maggie thank you very much indeed Maggie thank you Katie it's been wonderful to chat with you as ever I always enjoy our chat so thank you and thank you for allowing me to um, bring pancreatic cancer into the talk because you know, it's really important that people become aware of the symptoms um, because early diagnosis is the only way to survive it. So anybody listening out there who might want to check out the symptoms, if they go to hopeiscontagious.co.uk, we've got all the symptoms on there. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just good to know them. So thank you, Katie. Pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to follow me, and my guests on our social channels. All the details will be in the show notes. And please get in touch if you have any questions or topics that you might like to have covered in the next episodes, or even if you would like to be a guest yourself.